0: under great care for the next hour and 35 minutes, all right? We are here today to finish our study... In the book of Galatians, we we started this eleven weeks ago, and and we will wrap it up today just in time uh, for our choir to to present to us the message of of hope that they will bring to us um, next week. That one you just heard is just one of the numbers in which they will bring. Um, so it's going to be good. Like you and him, ready? Um, You need to be inviting people um, because this is the most evangelistic Christmas presentation I've ever heard. We're going to talk a lot about Jesus, His hope, His glory. And so today I want us to to think about what it means if, if we boast in Christ. What does it mean for us as evangelicals to to boast in Christ? The Apostle Paul has been on an evangelistic roller coaster over the last um, five and a half chapters. He lands today and he's going to challenge us that what we get excited about, listen, what, what we have passion about has to be the name of Jesus above everything else. Listen, I was fired up Friday night when our Pinson Indians, uh, they, they got that first state championship. Yeah. But I was more excited this morning when I woke up and Jesus was still Lord of all. I was still, I was fired up. He's still King of Kings. He's still Lord of Lords. There ain't nobody like Jesus today. Amen. We boast in Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't get passionate. If you're a football fan, you, you can have passion. God gave you that passion. But when our boasting goes to anything beyond Jesus, it becomes, it becomes sinful. It becomes, he tells us, boast in Jesus alone. The finished work of Christ is more than enough for us. So he started and he, he, he begins in this passage. So if you found Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse The Apostle Paul comes to us and he, he finishes this. This is his final warning and benediction. He says, See that with large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. For it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be presented for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised... Do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this role, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I I bear on my own body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit, brothers. He says, Amen. Father, we... We today are asking you to speak through your word. God, I pray you use my heart and my tongue and my brain for your glory. God, empty me of me and, and fill me with you that I may, I may say to your people what, what you would have me to say. Lord, the, the weight of eternity is too much for us to play here. The weight of judgment and punishment is too heavy for us to sugarcoat. So, Father, we are today going to cut rightly and divide your word as you would call us to. God, may our hearts only boast in the name of Jesus. God, give us a, a fervent passion for your name and your name alone. Use your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the Apostle Paul, he, he starts, he, he, he tells him, he says, he starts in verse 11, he says, See that I that with large letters I am writing to you. The Apostle Paul um, dictated most of his letters. Dictated mean, I mean he spoke it, someone else was writing it down. Um, it's plausible that the Apostle Paul had some type of eye disease or some type of vision issue where he could not actually see to write it down. Um, so, so he had someone um, dictate, he told someone to write these things down and, and they were faithful and they, they did so for him. Um, so but he gets to this point and he says I'm now writing with my own hand you see the letters you see the difference in the script I'm writing with my own hand because what I'm about to say to you is incredibly important and I don't want you to misconstrue it he tells them he says, remember what the Lord has said and when he, when he gets to that point what he's saying remember what I've said in this letter remember when they got this it wasn't six chapters it was one long letter he says remember what I've said What has he said to us? He said to us that salvation is in Christ alone. Our only hope, our only hope is in Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. That salvation is in Christ alone. That legalism is Christ plus anything. Legalism is Christ plus anything. So if we add anything to what Jesus has said, that this is required for salvation, we are legalists. And listen, Baptists are notorious for this. Baptists, we like this. See, legalism gives us the ability to control the situation. Legalism adds adds to man part of salvation. So, So we like to add things to it. And the Apostle Paul says, let Christ alone be sufficient for your salvation. We'll do this. This is how we do it. We'll say, well, to be a Christian, you've got to uh, accept Christ and be baptized. Well, that's, that's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. And you're going to go to that Mark passage where Jesus said, um, confess your sins and be baptized. He's talking a spirit baptism, not a water baptism. That's a sermon for another day. Um, Christ plus any time we add anything to salvation, we've become legalistic. And we'll say, well, you gotta, you gotta get saved and you gotta act right. Well, no, you'll get saved and God will work on your heart, and that will be your behavior modification, not you trying to be a better you. And what we wanna well you gotta you gotta get saved and then you gotta go to church. Anytime we start adding, is church a good thing? I hope so. I think so. The way I read the scripture, you know, it says don't forsake the gathering of God's people so we know it's good for us, but, but it's not a requirement of salvation. It's not a requirement of salvation. If so, the thief on the cross would have been in a little trouble. The guy sitting next to Jesus, who said, well, Jesus, I can't, I can't go get baptized. I'm in trouble. Or, well, you know, I can't go to Sunday school this morning. I'm kind of nailed up. <laughs> way home, you're going to catch that. God on the cross, I I can't go to church today, Jesus. God, Christ alone is sufficient for you today. And when you get a hold of Christ, you will long for the bride of Christ. When you get a hold of Christ, you will long to grow in discipleship and evangelism. When you get a hold of Christ, you'll long to be a tither. You will long for that. It's not required. It's what God will do in your heart that will push you towards those good things. So he says, he says we, we hold against legalism. The natural shift for the church is to become legalistic. It's natural for us because we want to control the apostle Paul. He's pleading, hold on to Jesus. We only boast in Christ. He has told us, he says, at salvation we were crucified with Christ. At salvation, we were we were crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us who lives, but it's Christ that lives in us. He's, he reminds them of this. He says, remember what I've said that that you were crucified with Jesus, and it's no longer you who lives. It's no longer you who operates, but it's Christ in you. So every morning you wake up, you say, listen, old me, you look in the mirror, and you tell that mirror, oh, good-looking fellow there, don't you ever die, but listen, today you got to be about Jesus. Today, you've got to be about Jesus. You can't be about you. The flesh will lead you the wrong way. Look at your neighbor and said the flesh will get you in trouble. Salvation. We were crucified with Christ. We were crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. That means my ambition and my hope, my confidence, and what I'm about is Jesus. I no longer seek to feed the flesh but I seek to serve a mighty God. At salvation, I died and I became new in Christ. My old self, that sin nature that made me say things I didn't want to say, that made me do things I didn't want to do, that made me act in ways that I didn't want to act because I was controlled by the evil one, that person died and a new birth happened. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, you must be born again. When I was crucified in Christ, I was born again. I was born again. Now it's different because I'm not contained to the, the sinfulness of my flesh, but I experience the grace of Jesus every day. And I live crucified. He reminds them, he says, you were crucified and you were adopted. Oh, that we never get over our adoption in Christ. Listen, I don't know what kind of earthly parents you had, but you've got a heavenly father who's better than anything this world offers. He says, we've been, we've been adopted by grace. God has brought you into the family. at salvation. you got a name change and a family change. you got, you got imputed righteousness to you by Jesus, and now we are heirs to the kingdom. We're heirs to glory. We are heirs to the promises of God that, that we will, when we pass from this life, we enter glory as children of God. Children of God. What, what is that? That shit, woo! I should have to be well, when y'all down right now. <laughs> children of you're you're a child of God. The apostle Paul tells the church as salvation, you went from some, you went from some nobody to somebody in Christ. He says, remember that goodness. Remember you've been adopted. That you've got a new family in Jesus. He says that salvation you were set free. At salvation you were set free. That the chains of bondage. The change of sin, that all that 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 made you do those evils, that all that that made you a a sinner, all of that was taken off of you. And listen to me, church. Now the only sin that you pick back up is what you do voluntarily. You're You're no longer answering to the evil one. You're no longer bound by sin. The only sin we encompass is what we tie ourselves up in. He said, you've been set free. You've been set free from legalism. You've been set free from bondage. You've been set free from trying to impress God through your works. You've been set free to experience grace and experience mercy. But more importantly, experiencing Jesus as your Savior. You've been set free. Nobody in history to this point had ever experienced that. They'd never experienced the freedom of grace they ever experienced the freedom of salvation. When Paul was writing this letter, this idea was brand new. Up until this point, they had worked and tried and tried to be faithful, keeping the law. Tried to, they had to go to the temple, and they, they had to go in every year and they would sacrifice and it would take blood for the remission because it always takes blood for the forgiveness of sin. But Jesus is our blood and he is our propitiation, and he is all that we need to, to stand before God. In righteousness. What he's telling the church in Galatians, they had taken a lap around the church. They'd had to pause the service. Folks would have got too excited. He would had to put them back in their chairs and kept going because the, the ability to embrace Jesus in this new way was something their minds had never even been able to encompass. They'd have been so fired up at, at the promise-keeping God in whom they serve. Paul writes with his own hand to show the importance of a Christ-centered life. What he's saying to the church is important. He wants them to focus on what it means to have Christ-centered living. He tells us that we boast alone in Christ. He says for for those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, he warns us that there's going to be people who are showy. He warns us that there's going to be people who are who are out there just for a good appearance. And we've got to guard from this because it happens in the church as well. People dress up and they get all their good clothes on and they come here and they even know the Christianese language. They can say all the right Bible things, but they've never been crucified in Christ. They've never been redeemed. They've never been set free. They've never been adopted. They're making a good showing because we live in the South and that's what we do. Church becomes a check mark instead of an experience of worship. He says, watch those people who are trying to make a good flesh, who would force you to be circumcised. Watch the people who will try to entangle you with sin. Watch the people who will try to hold you back from the goodness that Jesus is offering. He said, they're doing it for themselves. Verse 13, he says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. He said, it's all a show. So I show, they show up, they look the part, they say the part, but they're no more forgiven than they've ever been. See, they, they look the part, they, they've even been circumcised. That, that wasn't an easy thing. It was a painful experience that the men had to walk through. Even though they've been circumcised, they don't keep the law. But they deserve to have you circumcised. They desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh but verse 14 the apostle paul told the church but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world if we're going to live if we're going to live a a cross-centered life we must we must live a life humble and not prideful we must live a life humble and not prideful We don't walk around damning people to a devil's hell. We don't walk around with that type of arrogance because we're not going to lead the world to Christ that way. We're not going to lead the world to Christ by kicking in people's doors saying, turn or burn, get right or get left. We're going to reach people by showing them the love of Christ, by humbly expressing the love of Jesus, by remembering at one time we were all sinners. We were all sinners in desperate need of Jesus. We live humbly, trusting in the Lord to be our daily portion. A Christ-centered life boasts in the cross and not itself. The, the cross-centered life boasts in the cross and not self. Listen, we're like, yeah, that's right. That's what it does. But that's a hard one, friends. That's a hard one. Because we love what well, we love it. Just Larry, we love it when folks come around to us and oh, pat us on the back. You're doing such a good job, boy. Well, yeah, I am. Get me. It's kind of like when somebody comes up to you and says, have you lost weight?
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: but you know. I mean, you, want it, you, want, you like that recognition? It's hard to boast in Christ alone. Because our culture says, no, make it about you. Make it about you. Instagram it. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Twitter. Snapchat that thing. Oh, but folks are going to be so excited. That's why when you, when you take, I, I challenged a, a mission team that I was with. We were in Central America, and I challenged them. I said, I want you to serve this week, and I challenge you not to post one photo about it. Because all they're doing, they're like, oh, look, poor kids. Poor kids. Let's take pictures with them. <laughs> When we make things about us, when we make church about us, when we make serving about us, when we make preaching about us, it's no longer about Christ. When we demand our expectations over the biblical expectation, it's about us. When this world evolves around us in our worship service or in our church service, if you don't get your way, you threaten to leave, and if you're not happy, you're always looking for for an exit, then your worship is about you and not about Jesus. It's not about Jesus. We boast in Jesus and him alone. So the growth we've seen in our church, it's not me. It's not me. My wife lives with me. She will tell you. It's not him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The success we see, Jesus. The lives transformed, Jesus. Not, not any of us. None of us can do that. It's only in the crucified Jesus that we boast in. So when people say, hey, what church you're at, there's a cool thing. Yeah, it's all Jesus. That's my response. It's all Jesus. It ain't me. It ain't me. I am incapable, I am unworthy. But Jesus is worthy. And Jesus is able. Jesus is capable. It's all about him. We boast in Christ and in Christ alone. The cross-centered life treasures Christ and not the world. This is a large marker. It's a large marker for us to see Christ in your life. People, Jeff, look at my life. How do, I, how do you know that if I'm saved and, and I can't tell? I'm not the judge of your salvation, but I can look at your heart, and if you're building up treasure for here, you have a heart problem. If you're building up life here, if your whole goal is is more money, if your whole goal is more stuff, if it's the new stuff, bigger stuff, faster stuff, then you're building treasure here and not in glory. Our hope is built on nothing less in Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. We, we live with our treasure out of this world. We live focused on our kingdom. And when we focus on our kingdom and glory, when we focus on our kingdom that's in glory, it will change how we roll out of bed tomorrow. When our focus is on on bringing people to Jesus and our focus is on having a heavenly mindset, because when you have a heavenly mindset, you're going to be people-oriented and you're desiring to bring them to faith. How many people in the room, if I ask you to raise your hand, how many of us could say that we've led someone to Christ this year? We're in November. Excuse me. We're in December. This thing's almost over. We've got three weeks left. How many folks have you led to Christ this year? How many gospel-centered conversations have you had this year? You say, well, it's not my job. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, it was non-exclusive. It was to every disciple of Jesus out there. Everyone that had been born again got that commandment. Go make disciples of all nations. So how many people have you shared your faith with this year? How many lives are different because you've imparted Jesus to them? Your treasure's not here, church. It's in glory. A cross-centered life values spiritual transformation over external ritual. It requires spiritual transformation. That every day we're becoming more and more like Jesus than we were the day before. We're not about external looking good. It's not about let me get the right clothes. It's not about let me learn the right lingo. It's not about any of that. It's about external transformation. That your heart is being made more like Jesus today than it was yesterday. That your heart is being made more into a disciplined heart that is that is desiring heaven than than it was the day before. That you're closer to Jesus. That you you know his word more, that you're praying more, that you're seeking his face above all else. It's not about external rituals. It's not about looking the part. It's about having your heart transformed to the part. It says a cross-centered life walks in truth, not lies. A cross-centered life, it walks in the truth. The truth. If our world ever needed to hear the truth, it's Now. Now. Don't, I, I'm less concerned that you know how to be politically correct, and much more concerned that you know how to be biblically correct. We walk in truth because Jesus is the truth. He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And no one—and that's a oh, it's a heavy word—no one comes to the Father except through Him. We speak truth in a world that says there's many ways to heaven. You speak truth and say there's not but one way to heaven, and His name's Jesus. When the world says that, that God doesn't care about that sin, you stand firm on what, on what John said in his epistle. He says, dear children, I'm writing you these things that you may not sin. That God's never changed the mandate on sin. He's always held firm that a believer should not be mentioned amongst sin. He says, flee from immorality. Free from all the sexual sins. Free from adultery. Free from having your heart pierced by evil. He says, flee from those things. Walk in truth. Can I tell you, church, if you start walking in truth today, you won't be popular. If you're about you and your success, then this is going to be really scary. You're probably going to lose friends and acquaintances. But there's no greater reward than entering those gates and having a holy God look at you and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. If you're worried about what the world would say, you need to go back up to in the, in the list that we've given and look at where your treasure's laid. Because an earthly treasure will say, I need to be popular so that people like me. A kingdom treasure says, I need to be holy so God likes me. And we only become holy through the finished work of Jesus. A cross-centered life seeks to honor Christ and not man. Cross-centered life, it seeks to honor the name of Jesus above every other name. That we honor Christ and not man. Who are you living for today? Who are you living for? What's motivating you today? Is it Jesus? Is it following after him? Are are you Christ-centric in in what your, your life is about? Are you honoring Jesus? Or are you honoring man? If we spend our time honoring man, we're gonna live a miserable existence. We're gonna live a miserable life full of letdowns. But when we honor Jesus, when our when our heart becomes Christ centric in such a way that everything we do is honoring Jesus and not man, then, then we'll be the disciple Jesus has called us to be. When our honor is on Jesus, we'll make disciples. When our honor is on Jesus, we'll have those spiritual disciplines practiced in our life. When our honor is about Jesus, we'll flee from sin and we'll warn others who are entrapped in it. When our honor is on Jesus, church isn't something we do, it's something we are. When our honor is on Jesus, we become joyful givers. When our honor is on Jesus, evangelism is naturally part of who we are. When our honor is on Jesus, we seek to please him every day of our lives from here on out. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be popular. But as we read about the stories of every disciple who went out after Jesus in the New Testament, they would all tell you it was worth it. It was worth it. We've got four questions on the screen. I want you to begin to pray through those four questions. Our musicians are going to make their way back up. We're going to enter into a time of response. I want you to pray. I can't answer those questions for you. I can only answer those questions for me. Have you given your life to Jesus? You can't be Christ-centered without Christ being your center. If you've never accepted Christ, you're not Christ-centered. Have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Have you made him Lord of your life? He he didn't come to be a portion of who you are. He didn't come that, that he may be just an addition to your life. He came to be your life. He didn't want to leash your heart. He wants to own your heart. Does he own it? Do you know right now, man, if this thing's over... If God calls the church home today, and I'm not trying to scare you, because if I can scare you into it, someone can scare you out of it. Um, I'm asking is the Holy Spirit right now convicting you, saying, You've never received me as your Savior. You've never trusted me as your Lord. You've done things, but you've never consecrated your heart. Is your life given over to Jesus? Are you being faithful to what He's called you to? Are you being faithful? Has God called you to ministry? Has He called you to start serving His church? Has God called you to start being faithful in Sunday school, being faithful in worship, getting your family here? Has God called you to begin moving in a certain area? Has God called you to something to share and you're not? What are you waiting on to get faithful? And then the last one is, who do I need to share the gospel with? We all know people who are dying. I'm less talking about a physical death, although you could make the argument we are all physically dying. Who's spiritually dying? And God's placed it on your heart. You gotta go talk to them. You got, you got to be that, you've gotta be that lifeboat to their heart. You've gotta be the one that shares You can't save them, and that's great news. It takes all the pressure off you. But you're the voice God's going to use. You're the vessel that God's going to use to bring forth salvation in someone's life. The latest statistics says it takes seven times people hearing the gospel before they'll act upon it. Maybe today, today's number seven for you. You've heard the gospel and heard the gospel and you've heard the gospel. You've heard that Jesus came and lived a life you couldn't live, died the deaths you should have died. He was buried in the grave for the punishment of the sins of the world. But three days later, my friend, three days later, he got up and he's now ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for you and for me. Who do you need to tell that gospel to? I want you to bow your head just right where you're at. I want you to have some time to do business with the Lord. If God's called you, if God's called you today to be Christ-centered, but you've never accepted Christ, if that's you today, you say, Jeff, if this thing ended today, I'd be in trouble. I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. If that's you today, just slip up your hand real fast. If you've never accepted Christ and you would like to do that today, Just slip up your hand. Say, Jeff, I need to be redeemed today. I need to be set free from the sins that have shackled me. If that's you today, if I'm not seeing you, you got to make eye contact with me. If you're here today and you know that you've not been faithful with what God's calling you to, that God's called you to an area of service, an area of ministry, partnering with our church, whatever that looks like. You've been unfaithful. And you'd like just prayer over you that, that God would instill into you a desire for faithfulness. If that's you, if that's you, just slip your hand up. If that's you, just let, hands are up all over the room. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Say, and I, I want to be more faithful. I know God's calling me to do some things. i got to be more faithful. All of us have a name that comes to mind when we think of people we need to share the gospel with. Everybody in the room, you thought of a name, you thought of a face, you thought of a heart. What's it going to take for you to get serious about telling them about Jesus? If you want to come down to the altar today and pray over that person, pray for the lost, I promise you, God hears our prayers when we pray for lost people. He's able today. Will you do that? I'm going to pray. When I say amen, Ms. Jansen will start singing and we're going to be into a time of invitation. It's your move. It's your move to respond to what the Lord's calling you to. Father, I pray over our time together this morning. Father, I pray that we've been faithful with what you've given us. Lord, I pray for the hearts in here that that aren't turned over to you. For those folks who have never been set free from the bonds of sin and they've never been set free to your Son, Jesus, for means of their salvation. I pray that during this invitation, your Holy Spirit will make them miserable God I pray that that you will convict them of their sin Father I pray that that you will draw them near allow them to experience the freedom of trusting Jesus the freedom of being released from sin the freedom of, of being released to Jesus God for those believers who need to be more faithful Lord that they'll have honest conversations with you and they'll repent of their laziness and their silent lips. God, and that they will humbly submit to your authority. Father, for the, for the people who thought of a name, when we talked about sharing our faith and sharing the gospel, Lord, I pray you would build them up with boldness. I pray over them as they're praying to you for the, the soul of that person. Lord, that you'll bring salvation because you alone are, are able to bring that. Yeah, we're asking you through this invitation to do whatever you need to to make this church more holy. We're trusting you today. We're asking you to move knowing that you're the God of all things. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.